Some of you have heard the story before, but it bears repeating in the context I'm using it. So years ago, when I was at JMU, and uh, we, had, we had a big gathering, my parents showed up for Mass. So they came into Mass and set off, and, and I'm waxing on in terms of my homily, and there were about 1,500 people there. It was a big crowd. It was wonderful. And every once in a while, I'd, I'd see my parents over the side, and my dad's going, hmm, hmm, yeah, nodding approvingly. But my mom was going, shaking her head like this. And I'm looking, I catch that. And now, for the rest of the homily, I'm preaching this way. I, I can't even look at them. It's much easier to preach to 1,500 people you don't know than members of your own family. Trust me on this one. So afterwards, I asked, <laughs> dad, my dad says, oh, that was a great homily, really well done, blah, 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 blah. And he goes on and on and on about the homily. And I said, look at my mom, why were you shaking her head? She said, oh my God, you sound just like your father. <laughs> well, I saw I am my father's son. And you know the old saying, the apple doesn't fall far from a tree. And you all have these stories, every single one of you. You know, how many times have you looked at your kids and go like, oh my God, that's me. Oh, she picked that up from me? Oh, no. And or, oh, yes. How many times have you talked to your own children and started acting in a certain way, and you go, oh, my God, I'm my father. The funny thing is, we are heavily involved and influenced by those people in our primary circles of life. We pick up things. It's not, all, it's not through the head, but it's by osmosis. We pick up things from our parents. And we are shaped unwillingly. We think we're independent, but we're not independent. We have been shaped and molded by those people closest to us. And of course, in a good way, we love that. And in a bad way, we like to jettison some of the things we were influenced. How can I undo that but keep this? The idea that I am my father's son right now is very appealing to me. At one point in my life, I didn't like the idea, but I like it. Since he's passed uh, eight months ago, I like that idea that there is something about my father in me. And then how I live my life is a revelation of somehow who he was and my mom. There is something wonderful about what I received that I like being consciously aware that my approach and my style is like my dad. To a certain extent, we keep living out those people who have shaped us in the way we live our lives. But the Gospel of John takes this idea of influence and being shaped and connectivity to a whole different level. Jesus doesn't form a community of disciples around him and say, okay, you're, you're my bros, you're, you're, you're my community, right? And I want to shape you intentionally, and I'm going to give you a quiz at the end of this. Do you know intellectually what I've given you? Doesn't do that. He doesn't do an assessment in terms of how they're internalizing things. Nor does he leave it at that point. Like, okay, you got me? Right, I'm leaving. Now you sort of take me. No, not at all. 
But rather, there is a mandate that he gives his disciples that's much more than simply being an influence of the world about who I might be. And that mandate is that as my disciples, you are called to live like me, to reveal me in the fullness of who I am. And the imagery here is very powerful. You are a branch, I am the vine. That the very essence of the plant goes through the vines to the edges of the branches. That is where the fruit is coming from, flows from the very juice that the root itself and the vine provides the branch. This is much more than simply remember me and sort of think about me when you do things. It is much more that you must be like me, organically connected to me, that the fullness of my life, Jesus says to his disciples, I now give to you. I empower you with my life. The very act of receiving the Eucharist, for example, is the act of what? Pulling into ourselves the fullness of Jesus, that we might be transformed by Jesus to reveal the fullness of Jesus to the world. John links it two chapters earlier, in chapter 13, when Jesus at the Eucharist, at the Last Supper, what does he do? He washes the disciples' feet. And he says, as I have done this for you, you are to do for one another. Live on in my love. And if you do so, I am with you. Jesus is very clear. What does it look like to bear the fruit of the kingdom? That we take upon ourselves as disciples the vision of Jesus and the kingdom. We take upon ourselves the attitude of Jesus in terms of humility and service. And we take upon ourselves the behavior of Jesus, as in love. This is what John is speaking about. What is the fruit of the vine? Nowhere does he say, memorize St. Thomas Aquinas. Nowhere does he say, know all the documents of Vatican II. Nowhere does he say it's simply intellectual knowledge. Nowhere does he say it's simply behavior. Go to church every week and that's it. No, it's much more difficult because it demands an organic response to that connectivity that we have with Jesus. If I'm one with Jesus, you'll be able to see something of Jesus in me, right? I mean, think about it. A lot of times people who knew my dad, I remember many times, oh, wow, you really are your son, your, your, your father's son. We see your father in you a lot of times. For the disciples, for us, people should be saying, oh, I really see Jesus in you. That's what it's supposed to look like. And, and, the, and the second reading brings it home. Let us not love in word and speech. Love, 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 love. But in deed and truth we got to make it real. we got to make it real. Otherwise, it becomes irrelevant. The first reading from Acts brings this home too. So Paul, who is Paul? A great persecutor of the church, right? He oppressed 
the early church. He's a bad guy. And so he had this conversion experience, and what is everybody going, yeah, yeah, you've seen the light, right, right. Yeah, thank you. Why don't you stand over there? Thank you. And the early church didn't want to have anything to do with him. What happened to him? He had to prove indeed that he was one with Christ. And words weren't good enough. And he's tested. And when he's up against the wall, willing to give his life now for Jesus, the, the community he had persecuted, it's at that point, okay, you're one with us. You will walk the talk, honestly and credibly. You know, every time I read some article, you know, Pope Francis doing this or that, and, and then I, oh, I, most of the time I don't, but every once in a while I want to see the comments. Oh, my God in heaven. You would not know at some of these articles about the Pope, no less, that we are a loving community. There is no evidence of fruit of Jesus in any of this. I'm not talking about disagreements about things. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. Don't get me, don't jump on that. I'm talking about the fundamentals. And this is where, when our egos become the centrality of our existence, we are cut off from the branch. And this is what John is saying. When it is only about me, my wants, and my existence, I am no longer attached to the vine. I cannot produce good fruit away from Jesus. We gather here to reinforce this wonderful relationship that we will receive from the Eucharist, that we receive in word of God as we receive and all of us gather together and virtually online, that we are the body of Christ. We are connected to the fullness of who Jesus is. May our fruit grow strong and multiply that the fruit of God's vision of the kingdom, his humble service for the world, and his unconditional love be the life force for us in our journey with the Lord Jesus. Produce good fruit because there's nothing sweeter to take than the fruit of justice and love and peace.